0: On today's show, we bring together the traditional and the e sports worlds. How? Well, you're going to have to find out on this authentic avenue. Rival, a solution and platform which brings together the virtual and the actual in the world of sports and games. My guest today is their chief marketing officer, Dan Parisi. Dan has years and years of experience in both the brand and traditional sports world, but this over the last year has been his newest foray. How do you elegantly and authentically white label, some esports infrastructure for those traditional sports orgs and brands that are trying to break into the same world themselves. Esports and gaming is still a relatively new industry, at least by popularity's measure. And Dan lets us in on how he's learning just like everybody else and hoping to create some authentic experiences and interactions along the way. It's also a world I really like because I'm a recreational gamer. I'm not very good, but I love hearing about the business side, and Dan has plenty of that. I'll also mention that he was a recommendation from a previous guest here, New Balance's Chris Davis, so I knew it was going to be a good chat from the start, and Dan proved it. Let's prove it to you now. I'll step away and let you hear it, so sit back, relax, turn off that Xbox, and listen in as I get real with Rival and Dan Parisi. Hey, Dan, how you doing?
1: Good, Adam. How are you? Doing well. Good to talk to you.
0: This space is something that I am quite interested in only because, well, not only because, but primarily because uh, I've been super interesting in, in in the in the gaming world, recreationally. I'm not a yeah. professional gamer or anything, but I love doing it. I don't have too much time to do it, but I, I love it. I'm not great at video games. I just love spending time on it. It's so addictive. And the first one that I really sunk a lot of time into was during college was FIFA. And... Now I see that what Rival is doing is working with a lot of real world sports orgs and I know that that's part of it of course we'll talk about that but this as I understand it Rival brings and I'm going to I'm going to bastardize this so I hope you can help me explain it and then I want to learn about your journey to joining Rival essentially like white label esports infrastructure for traditional sporting organizations that's how I've as I've gone through research and talked with you a little bit that's how I interpret it and you work with some pretty incredible uh, sporting clubs across hockey, and basketball, and soccer, and so many others. Why was this the right next step for you right now? It's obviously a hot space, but I want to know more of your personal story. Because you joined roughly, just almost a year ago. Yep. But prior to that, you had plenty of experience in traditional sports. Why go virtual?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, good question. I mean, you, you got... You know, you got the uh, the explanation of rival pretty well down. Uh, we are a, a white label enterprise solution um, for organizations and, and brands. So not just teams and professional sports organizations, but really brands, media, any organization that has a, a fan base or a consumer base to engage. You know, with with the massive global audience of, of gaming and, and esports. And you know, we can talk about this. You know, a, a little bit down the, the road, but you know, there's our platform is definitely more of a gaming platform than sort of traditional esports. Um, we can talk about that difference, um, but yeah, that is that is rival in a nutshell. We basically offer uh, organizations the ability to really manage their own gaming community um, in a 365 day type of way um, from a white label, you know, customized uh, solution perspective. Um, and we are lucky enough to have over the last, you know seven to 10 months onboarded about 20 professional to over 20 professional or sports organizations uh, across NHL, ML, um, NFL, uh, EPL, MLS, etc. So um, it's been a, a fun, almost year, as you said, um, coming from the traditional sports uh, marketing organiz- uh, sports marketing space, excuse me. Um, and uh, I've certainly learned a, a ton along the way um so you know I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my <laughs> the reason why i'm here and, and my store coming in so i, I have spent yeah my it'd entire, be great. i have spent my entire career um in traditional sports and entertainment marketing both with a couple of agencies uh as well as on the team side i actually was the a marketing director for the chicago fire uh, mls team for about four years and about last year around this time you know as the pandemic kind of set in um, i was coming up on a decade at an agency called scout sports and entertainment uh, which is the sports marketing arm of horizon media and i got a call about this company called rival um, and what they were building from a technology platform perspective in the gaming and esports space and obviously being part of the traditional sports marketing space, you know, is very familiar with the rise of of gaming and eSports. And, you know, although I am not really a gamer and didn't have like a ton of expertise necessarily in space, we had done a couple of deals with eSports teams and clearly was a space that we were starting to get more active in. Um, And, you know, as I explored the opportunity and did some homework on the competitive landscape, I, I really felt like I understood how organizations could leverage the technology to create their own gaming communities and really kind of make it a a digital extension of their brand. And, you know, you mentioned at the top here that it's a lot, you know, a lot of our clients are professional sports organizations and that's true. Um, and, And really, you know, I kind of looked at my experience in the traditional sports marketing space and I said, this is a really interesting solution for, for a lot of sports organizations, right? Because at the time, you know they're trying to navigate the pandemic and answer questions like, you know, how do I engage with my, with my fan base in new ways that doesn't require butts and seats or live events, and you know how do I take care of my corporate partners with new assets that aren't redundant and you know to what they already have in their deals, uh, and I realized that this was you know really a kind of a perfect turnkey solution for them to accomplish both things, uh, so. You know, with that type of filter on, I, I made the decision to make the move because I really felt like there was something here. Um, and you know, fast forward almost a year later, and things are going really well. You
0: know, yeah, so. that was going to be my next thing. It's like, how's it been then? I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah, been good. Riding the wave, or what's good?
1: Yeah, no, it's been good. I, you know, I, I think it's been validating in a lot of ways for me personally because uh, I, I did, you know, I expected that the teams would listen to, um, you know, what this could do for their business and have a lot of interest in it. Because I think a lot of sports teams, Adam, like they were sitting there thinking, you know, we know we need to do something in the space. Right. But, you know, I don't know how to do it or I don't have the resources to commit to it right now. And we had the story that we could go to these teams and and pull on the traditional sports marketing experiences of, of executives like myself and others on the executive team that have joined which is another kind of key aspect of this company that I really like is that we didn't come in as you know folks with a ton of gaming experience we came in with, with people on the, on the you know with brand experience and media experience and traditional sports marketing experience and came in and, and started kind of speaking the language of uh, you know some of our partners and really explaining kind of what this could do for their for their brand so it's been validating it's been really good it's you know like any you know startups or early day companies it's been it's been a grind, and it's been um, you know you, you you sometimes make mistakes, and then you quickly get better because of them, um, and all of that's been you know really rewarding, I think, along
0: the way. That side of it, I can completely relate to building something new, learning along the way. Yeah. Done
1: it a couple times
0: in my time, doing it right now. But what is particularly interesting here is what you just said about the background in gaming. You said yourself, you're not really a gamer. You got a hell of a lot of experience with regards to traditional sports. My guess is that many of your colleagues have the same. And that makes me wonder how you are learning almost in lockstep with how brands are learning how to get in here. Obviously, you're doing it as the CMO of a company that provides that experience and platform for them. But what I believe and what I've observed Is that many, many brands' approaches to gaming are to sort of um, fit it into the way that they've just done other things. Mm -hmm. And those other things, uh, you know, there are plenty of marketing playbooks for different occasions and channels, but those channels have all existed for a long, long time. And in terms of mainstream esports popularity, I would say that we are maybe. three years into it, maybe four years into it, seriously, Mm -hmm. um, having seen it from pre that time and post that time. So given the fact that you're bringing that traditional knowledge in, but you're in a brand new space with not too much personal history in it, how are you helping those traditional sports orgs or those brands write new playbooks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that... (laughs) We are trying to do is work with our clients in ways where, again, this just becomes an extension of their of their brand. And so it becomes an authentic play for them to look at their fan base or their consumers and say, you know what, you know, 50% of my fans or consumers are playing video games casually anyways. And this is one of those areas where, you know, I, I, I want to delineate a little bit between kind of your traditional esports uh and in gaming in general right so our you know esports is really sort of that professional tip of the industry right it's the the gamers who are out there competing on teams in different franchises at the highest level of competitive um, esports and competitive gaming and then everybody else, you know, people like yourself, as an example, you know, you're playing games, right? Connecting with other people and, and you know, playing some, some games over the weekends and staying in touch with friends just in a casual basis. And really sort of what our platform does is allows those organizations who, who have a fan base that are already doing these things casually to provide an environment in the community for them to, you know, to join and to actually generate rewards. Uh, you know, and, and experiences and prizes, you know, that are relevant to that team that those people are, are passionate about um, and do so in, in kind of an organic way. Right. And the other thing about this is that there are lots of players on these teams that we're working with that are also, you know, gamers. Right. So there's that connective tie there that, that makes this an organic way, in an authentic way for these teams to really um you know engage with with their fan base in a new type of way um, and from you know the perspective of the experience in the space luckily you know we do have some executives that have traditional industry experience uh, paul brewer our cro actually came to us from esl over the last six years you know obviously a giant um, player in the space totally. and so yeah you know, we're working with our clients to say hey look this is supposed to be an extension of your brand it's your fan base, a new way to engage with them. And we are working with them to make this authentic for them, right? So we're a B2B company. You know, or you could say we're a B2B2C solution, if you will, right? We exist to connect our partners into the, in, the gaming world and enable them to grow their own communities. And so we're helping them to do that. But But each one sort of manifests itself in its own way, right? There are some partners that want to, you know, just do programming that is E for everyone or maybe only this, the game that's endemic to their brand, like, like an EPL team doing, you know, FIFA only or, or something like that. And there are other brands and, and clients that want to branch out and, and do things that, you know, speak to a little bit more edgy genres, etc. Et so it definitely manifests itself in, in a lot of different ways. Um, and we're there to try and help our clients do it in a way that's authentic for their fan base.
0: I'm glad to hear you use that A word a lot. That's one that I enjoy. Thank you for uh, <laughs> thank you for drawing it back there. I certainly will talk about uh, that in a little bit, especially as we round out, because I do like to collect these sorts of definitions and manifestations of that word as I build this catalog of perspectives out. And this is a niche in which I'm particularly interested. So I will touch on that again. But what I'll ask before that is something related to the recent, which is that esports, as you've undoubtedly taken notice of over your time at Rival, has absolutely exploded. Now, pandemic helps with that, right? Absolutely. I, for example, I'm a big NASCAR fan. It doesn't happen often. Like there aren't too many NASCAR fans that are also involved in this like heavy marketing world unless they're like in that sport, but they were, for example, the first one to not only go back to live events, which, you know, say what you will about that, but also the first to go uh fully virtual. And have all of its participants actually go virtual with them. It doesn't hurt that it's a really good replication of the real-world product. But regardless, other sports followed a little bit. But certainly the esports verticals of those businesses took off. Because what were people doing other than like playing video games? Especially if they're in a certain cohort and demographic. Right. You probably saw that rocket. I saw that rocket. Now we're in 21. Jabs are going into arms. We're starting to crest this wave a little bit. What do you foresee for the balance of this year, whether it be in keeping momentum or continuing to build on the momentum that you saw last year?
1: Right. Yeah. So a a couple of things. Um, First is kind of going back to my point before about esports and gaming. I think that certainly in 2020, because of the pandemic, you saw a massive surge of you know, global gaming revenue because people were, you know, at home during the pandemic, looking for ways to stay connected socially and pass the time. And, and you know, the the esports teams of the world, however, they actually like didn't necessarily, you know, grow quite as much as you know the rest of the video gaming industry did. And primarily, it's because a lot of those esports franchises also rely heavily on live events and a lot of those events went, went virtual um, or a lot of game titles and you know traditional esports actually didn't run tournaments for a long time and so you had a lot of loss of revenue in ticket sales and in merchandise and, and sort of even viewership of some esports went down a little bit and you know there's a lot of different reasons you could potentially point to but you know live events certainly help generate excitement right for 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 any sport even if you just look at the tra- traditional you know big four sports and et cetera, like those viewership of those broadcasts in the back half of 2020 actually struggled significantly it wasn't as good of a product without fans in the stands and again there's a little bit of a disconnect with not having like live fans at those events that that actually affected viewership as well so esports from the professional ranks perspective you know, it wasn't completely pandemic proof, I would say, but certainly what you saw and I think what you referenced in terms of, you know, blowing up last year was you saw huge consumption of video games and, and the publishers did well, you know, you had next gen consoles come out towards the end of the year. You had companies like Twitch and, you know, F- Facebook gaming and YouTube gaming, all of that consumption of that content. Was was up and people were sitting around playing video games. And so, from my perspective, what I saw in twenty twenty, even though you know, like professional sports franchises, the esports franchises took a little bit of a hit because of the lack of live events. I think you saw a year of complete, you know, or of mass adoption, really, of a lot of video games, right? and i think that will help the esports you know the professional esports industry as it starts to come back as some of these live events start to come back and we're starting to see that already right i think there were some announcements or, or recently over the last couple of weeks that you know some of these big live esports events are coming back and i think that they're going to uh, benefit right from a year of people really engaging in a lot of video game and a lot of consumption a lot of viewership of, you know, casual, you know, casual gaming. Um, And I think that that they will certainly, you know, start to kind of turn around uh, a little bit towards the end of this year. It'll be interesting to watch um, how that happens and how those those professional eSports teams come back. Um, But what I like about the last year for us, if I can bring it back from a selfish perspective, is that, you know, our platform is really supplemental to the – you know, professional esports um, competitions, right? Like our platform is really focused on those casual and recreational gamers, right? Like the, the people like you and I, right? Like we talked about before, they're playing games on the weekends. And that's really supplemental to kind of what esports organizations are doing. It's more participatory in nature. Um, and it's not really based on viewership, it's really based on participation and engagement. So, from that perspective, seeing a year of twenty twenty having, you know, millions of people really throw themselves into video games and play a lot more. That for for me is a really nice um, thing to, to look at and to think about in terms of where our business could go in supporting that participatory recreational play.
0: That could be a completely great, let's say, avenue towards building your authentic connection with people and weekenders like me probably can benefit something. I don't know. I'm not going to benefit a lot of uh, a lot of skills on the on the sticks there, but you know, there's certainly there's certainly value to be discovered and to be manifested. This is a good turn into a, a question I like to ask a lot of people, but I'm really interested from you because it's just a relatively new world that we're in here, and you seem to be at the center of it in terms of. Gosh, I'm not sure how to say it except to say like you know, esports is kind of a gold rush, and it seems like you're selling a shovel, and that's great. That's like what that's kind of that's what I would want to invest in. But at right. the same time, you gotta make these experiences, as you said at the top, authentic for the traditional orgs and the brands that wish to join and wish to get their name in there. Yep. I haven't seen that done super, super well yet, except for in a few cases. For example, there is a small club out there in Europe called Stephen and Jeff C. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, listeners. I'm not sure if you even know the club. It's not the biggest club out there, but they gained notoriety in the esports world because of the popularity, I believe, and I'm, I'm really simplifying this, of their kit. And Burger King decided to put themselves on the kit, and they became one of the most popular clubs to play with, or the shirts to play with, on FIFA. There was a lot of brand crowd. I mean, like, you know, I, I I don't play FIFA every day, and I, I don't even play it that frequently at the moment. But I know that story, and maybe it's because I'm in the the marketing world. I don't know, but an authentic way for Burger King to step in, I'll say here between you and me, I think frankly a little bit more authentic than like KFC making up a gaming org for like April Fool's Day or whatever it was. And I I just thought Burger King did a really good job. Well, come to find out, Stevenage works with rival. Isn't that yeah. interesting? And I, was, so, won-
1: I yeah. was wondering if you knew that or you were just like perfectly teeing me up for what I was going to say. No, nope, li- <laughs> lining
0: up a meatball for you here, I think. But essentially <laughs> the question that I like to attach this to, so take that as an anecdote. The question I like to ask is that because I know that every brand is on a path to achieving their own authenticity, there are infinite avenues through which they can operationalize that and manifest it. I would like to know which are a few for Rival. I know obviously like, that's one, like, helping to bring those connections together. And I also kind of want to know, like, what your what your hand was in that. But generally speaking, you're helping brands do this in authentic ways. Like, which ways in particular? Or are there a couple of stories there? Because um, that A word can take so many different turns. And I want to yeah. know what yours are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the the Steven example is a good one. Um, they, you know, obviously got a lot of notoriety for that FIFA integration. And this is an example of the organization also saying, well, you know, how can I continue to kind of engage my fan base in this way? And they came to us and they actually have a a community, a Stevenage community on the rival platform. Um, and they run, you know, some, some regular tournaments and have started to grow a community. And they actually, you know, to kind of continue that tie with the uh, authenticity of Burger King, they've, you know, branded their community the esports arena and it's completely uh, burger king branded they own that whole thing so you know again we look at this as like an extension of things that they were already doing and that's the key to authenticity right Is like what what are you doing that you can that you can create some value some additional value for your fans or your consumers that for me is like and this is not even a gaming thing this has been my whole career right when i think about sponsorships and how to activate sponsorships uh the key to activating sponsorships is working with your partners that you're sponsoring and providing value to their fan base in in a way that that fits your brand that's authentic to your brand right and if you're not providing value for your fan base in some sort of way then you know you're just kind of doing a logo slap, and a logo slap isn't necessarily, you know, the, in my opinion, uh, the right way, way to go about it. No, that's obje- is objectively
0: the wrong way. I <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so to the Stevenage point, I mean, the way that we are, you know, like I mentioned, we're a B two B solution, so we're all about trying to to figure out how to work with our partners to make this experience authentic for them and connecting their their fan base. And so, like, on the organizational side, you know, I mentioned this, like, a large percentage of their fans are, are already playing video games. There, Some of their um, players are playing video games, right? So there's a way to create this community and to reward them in a way that's providing value to them. And you mentioned authenticity within gaming from a brand perspective. There is hesitancy for brands to come into the gaming and esports space still, mostly non-endemic brands, but there's still that hesitancy. And that's primarily because, you know, for years and years, I would go to these sports marketing conferences and all anybody would talk about in the gaming segments and the esports segments of these conferences is that, well, brands can't get into the space because, you know, gamers are going to sniff them out for being non-authentic within the space. And there was really like a I felt like brands were scared to get in this space because they would be rejected by you know this group of of people who would see them you know just trying to take advantage of a growing space and not doing so in an authentic way. So what I tell teams all the all the time when I talk to them is that look, it's highly likely that some of your corporate partners have wanted to try something in gaming, but they're hesitant to do so. However, if you can offer up a way for that partner to dip their toe into the space through you and through your longstanding partnership, you know because you've created this community for your fan base, now they're doing something with you as a partner that is authentic already. Like They're already a partner, right? And, and you're allowing them to do something to get more engaged with that fan base. And they'll look at that and say, huh, that's interesting. That isn't me necessarily coming into the space and trying to do something that's disparate from, you know, you know, from, from the rest of my marketing, this is something that I'm actually doing as an activation onto my partnership, you know, with a Stevenage or with an Aston Villa or a Detroit Pistons or whatever it may be. Right. right. Um, so for me, you know, it really comes down to, to focusing rival authenticity, uh, uh, being, you know, being there to help our partners create those connections. It's really about them and not us um, and it's really about them trying to figure out a way to provide value for their fan base through doing things like this.
0: That's a good way to think about it. Um, how do you create specific value? It's, it's like, a, I mean, it's just like anything else, but you say quite, quite rightly that, yeah, the, the brand slap is not the right way to do it. Everybody's going to have their own unique way. And that's the heart of what I pursue here is that everybody's got their own unique way to make their authentic path shine through. And, Actually, the way that I round these out is to ask the leaders that I get the pleasure of talking to, like, how? And how is a big word, right? It's it's a tough question. And actually, this last question is going to be pretty big, but it's simply advice-based. Because you've been here for about a year, but you have a long, long history of acting in this world and finding the right path forward for all sorts of brands, not just Rival. So I'd like to close by asking you for that advice. And that advice is, what advice can you give to our listeners on how to find their brand's personal truth, and their own avenues to authenticity. Reason being, some listeners are big marketing leaders like you, some are brand builders, and they're trying to grow and learn and emulate your journey. So as we close, what advice might you give to
1: them? Yeah, for me, I think it's, I go through every day trying to think about how we stay focused on on kind of our core business values and not try and meander into something that we're not okay and so as i talk about being this b2b solution you know right now that's what we're focused on we're focused on our our clients and we're not trying to be something that we are not Uh, we talked about the difference between sort of participation and engagement and viewership our platform is not like you know our platform is not twitch it's not like a viewership You know, vehicle, right? We are focused on those casual, recreational gamers, uh, and allowing them to participate and and to compete against each other in that recreational way, and not on like the top tier, you know, competitive gamers that are that are out there. Um, and not on um, trying to drive viewership to you know the viewership people want to people don't want to watch you play Adam right <laughs> they don't want to watch you play no they but sure
0: they certainly don't want to watch exactly they, like
1: yeah. they want to watch the, the professionals right do it and that's not what we're about so so I, I I think it's it's focus for me it's you know identifying what you stand for and for us it's you know trying to help our partners be authentic in the space you know community building right like your fans are out there they're doing this already. How are you providing them value um, and, and getting and, and leveraging the fact that they already are doing these things and providing them value within your own world? Um, and let's not try and be something that, that we're not. Let's not try and say that we are, you know, a, uh, a professional sports, you know, um, company when we're more of a, an actual gaming company. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, because we, I've talked a lot about us as a company and our real authenticity being working with the partners to figure out for them, to provide them with that authentic avenue, if you will, to their, to their customer base through gaming, we got to listen. You know, we, we have to try and live that from, from the ground up and, and sort of you know, listen to our clients and understand how we evolve this platform to enable them to accomplish those goals. And so I think, you know, one of the cool things about being part of of this growing company is that we have been able to take feedback from clients on an everyday basis and evolve the platform and improve it significantly in a very short period of time based on what our partners are coming back and saying. And I think that's a super important aspect of, of what we're about is, you know, if this is all about, you know, connect being that connector right and being that ability for our partners to really leverage the power of this space that we need to be listeners to um and really, really need to engage with our partners and and figure out what's going to allow them to do that in a successful way so you know there's a a lot in there but for me like it comes down to focus on trying to be something uh or, or trying not to be something that you're not uh you know and, and focusing on what those core values are and, and for us i think it's pretty clear and you know look it could change over time potentially right like we we could we're very early in this journey and we may find that our our partners want more of things in certain areas and maybe that makes sense to, to grow out but for right now we're we're very focused on the community growth and build for our partners and, and enabling them to do that in an authentic
0: way and i hope you continue to do that because uh, this world is only going to grow and, you know, even way, way down the line in the future, they could certainly maybe mesh in some way. Obviously, that's way, way down the line. That's like I'm talking, (laughs) talking like, I don't know, 2100. But anyway, it has uh, been really great to learn about this world specifically from you in uh, this scope, because this is a scope that I know a little bit more than like how to game well. This is what I can understand a little bit better. And so for helping me understand that better and shedding light on uh, how you are bringing together the traditional and the virtual, Um, Dan, I can't thank you enough for joining. Thanks for sharing with us.
1: Absolutely, Adam. I I really appreciate the opportunity to be on, and it uh, it was great chatting with you.
0: It's worth noting, as an end cap to that Stevenage story, that the CMO of the overarching brand that includes Burger King here in the U.S. recently moved to another CMO role at Activision Blizzard. Seems a fitting next step, and hopefully, we have Fernando on the show soon. But for now, thank you, Dan, for joining us, sharing a little bit of your story, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. If you want to stay connected, LinkedIn, Adam Connor, and Authentic Avenue both is where we post content. And of course, you can subscribe across podcast directories and write me via email, adam at authav.com. A U T H A V E. Let me know what you think of the show and how I could be helpful with you in terms of building out a podcast as an authentic content lane. I've done it a whole bunch of different ways and I have plenty of expertise to share. Regardless, you're going to hear from me again real soon about how another brand and person carves their own avenues to authenticity. Until that point, I'm Adam Connor signing off here and saying until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic avenue.